Get ready to hear from a celebrated and beloved recording artist who had the number one worldwide hit, Alone Again, Naturally. Buckle on up as you are about to hear about this classic tune sung way back in 1972. Welcome to the Motivation Show podcast and get ready to be inspired motivated and achieve massive success and now your host the mayor of motivation eli marcus our guest today is a celebrated and beloved worldwide charting artist who has charted 16 top 40 records including six number one songs Across his career, he has recorded 20 studio albums. The music magazine Record Mirror voted him the top UK male singer back in the good old days of 1972. His worldwide number one hit, Alone Again Naturally, celebrated its 50th anniversary in 2022 and was nominated for three Grammy Awards. Welcome to the Motivation Show, Gilbert O'Sullivan. Uh, that, that's some introduction, Eli. Yeah, it's nice to be with you. And uh, I'm, in, I'm in admiration of, of where you are, because while it's quite chilly over here, you look like you're in a really warm place. <laughs> well, yeah, it's not a terrible thing to be in Florida in the winter, that's for sure. I don't know from cold. <laughs> so you've had a very interesting career. And, uh, you know, it's always fascinating to me when I can talk to somebody who had hits in the early 1970s, and here we are in 2022, and you're still out there. Uh, and I hear that you actually put out a best of collection that you released in 2022. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I think it's in the past, we've had uh, TV advertised best ofs, which have done really well. But this time, the record company BMG wanted to go with a three CD collection. And I have a lot of songs. I've written a lot of songs. So, so I've made a lot of records with all the albums I've done and stuff. So I was able to kind of um, pick out all the tracks that I, you know, apart from the obvious ones, which are all on there, of course. Uh, it's just a mixture, which is the interesting thing for me is that, that it involves tracks from many of the albums going back many years. So a lot of people may, may not have uh, some of these albums. And so therefore they'll pick up on the odd track or two uh, from this collection. Uh, yeah, I've written them all. So it's... Um, it's kind of nice to have um, to to see this put together. But uh, strangely enough, uh, for the amount of tracks that are on there, I still felt I left off left off a few that I would have liked to have gone on, so that I have to go on the next <laughs> the next selection. <laughs> well, a creative mind like yourself, I'm not surprised there'd be a few others uh, still left over. So, what, uh, in your opinion, is different or unique about what you're doing right now versus? what you were doing back in the good old days of the 70s well the the good thing is that that very in terms of what i do you know we live in a technological world which is fantastic all the technology that's available particularly in the music business what we can do in studios i have my own 48 track digital studio purpose built on the grounds of my property i don't write there so the great thing for me is going right back to 1965 66 when i started to write songs all I needed then was a, an upright piano and a garden shed to be able to do it. And I borrowed a tape recorder 
And then I moved into the 70s. I was able to use cassettes. And to this day, I still use cassettes. I have the sort of 70s getter blasters with the inbuilt microphones either side. Stick it on top of the piano, put in the cassette, and I'm away. And the process of what I do hasn't changed. It isn't rocket science. Right from day one, it just involves trying to come up with a good melody and then having got that melody, see where you would go with with a lyric. So it's a fascinating process. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And so I hear you have this latest album that you've put out, Driven. Um, and I'm very curious what the uh, title has been derived from and what it means. I think it's because that's I'm partly that's pretty much how I am in terms of career, in terms of, of uh, music and, and what I want, what I aspire to. And I'm driven in that sense of wanting to write. I'm very disciplined. I have that real building mentality for writing songs. Clock in at nine o'clock in the morning, clock off at five in the afternoon, five days a week. I think that's an important thing to have that discipline. So I'm driven in the sense that I'm I'm out there to create uh, good songs, work hard at it because it isn't necessarily that easy, uh, but it's worth the effort if you come up with the goods. Well, you know, so many artists uh, put out hit after hit back in the old days, sixties, seventies, and um, they're all number one charted hits, and then all of a sudden uh, they kind of they go on the road uh, and they're singing all their own songs, but you don't hear a lot of of the new songs. Uh, uh, and you certainly don't see them as hits. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of not into any kind of self-analysis, uh, Eli, on how, what, or why. I mean, uh, you know, I, we do a two-hour set and stuff. And so what's nice about uh, a two-hour concert in my, with my uh, background is the fact that we can incorporate all the best-known songs, which are that important, plus album tracks that people, when I meet people afterwards, they'll tell me their particular, much as they love the hit single, their favorite song would be a particular track from a particular album. And then there's an element of new stuff. You know, we do about three three tracks from Driven and tracks from the last album and, and a mixture of, you know, a good variety of material, hopefully, uh, which people seem to enjoy. I think that's that's how I approach these things. It's very important to do the best known songs. But as I say, you meet people and they'll tell you much as they liked the Claire's and the Alone Against and stuff. For them, their particular favorite is a track that not many other people may have heard of, which would have been on, on a former album. Well, Shindig Magazine had a great quote about you, and he said, at the age of 75, Gilbert O'Sullivan has just gone and recorded his best ever album. Well, that says a lot, to tell you, best ever. Uh, and this is classic, Shine On You Absolute Legend. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Did I pay him to say that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I mean, it's not, I'm not used to kind of, you know, the interesting thing for me is earlier on in my career, because of the images that I, that I created, it put a lot of people off me and stuff because I didn't, I didn't conform to what record companies wanted, which was long hair, jeans, look a bit like James Taylor. I, I didn't do that. I created an image with putting bass and haircuts, Charlie Chaplin jacket, really weird and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, I, so because of that, uh, how I used to look, I didn't pick up very good uh, record reviews because in a lot of instances with music papers in the UK, they would all they would talk about was how I looked, not about the songs. So it's interesting now that I'm, I'm getting really good reviews for my songs. I mean, it's the same writer. It's the same person who wrote those songs that, that they, were, they didn't write about me. So it, it's kind of nice. It's reassuring to think that, that people do take my work seriously and I'm given some credit for it. Because I always envied, you know, if Ray Davis gave an interview, uh, articles about Ray Davis, uh, McCartney and all those kind of people, and Paul Simon and stuff, you name it, good, good, great songwriters and stuff. 
So you felt that there was an opportunity for people to talk to me about songwriting. I've been doing it for as long as they have. Uh, so now it's beginning to, you know, so I'm quite pleased. It puts a smile on my face. <laughs> well, if I put out some of the song titles that you did, Alone Again, Claire, Get Down, Out of the Question, Nothing Rhymed, Matrimony, No Matter How I Try, you know, I'd be pretty proud of myself too. Which is uh, one of your favorites and why? I'm sure they're all your kids, but <laughs> any particular you know, favorite? Yeah, one of my favorites, I mean, not, not that well-known, and particularly because we go to America, is a song I wrote about an, an element of 9-11 and stuff. I picked, mm. up on a, I picked up on an aspect of 9-11 that wasn't most of the detail and most of the horror of what was going on was to do with the planes hitting the buildings. But I picked up on a certain aspect of it. I wrote a song called All They Wanted to Say and stuff. So that's always been very special to me. And I've had a lot of letters from people in America over the years since that was released, saying how much they like it. And the great thing was when we went to New York two years ago to do for, for our first appearance in America for so long, uh, our first appearance was in was the blue, was the, the winery in New York, the old, uh, and I performed it there, and it was quite emotional to, to sing that song there. And so when we did the, um, the winery last year, at the beginning- City winery the, you're referring to, right? The city winery, when we did it last year at the new, build, uh, the new building, uh, it wasn't in the in the set, and halfway through the concert, the, the, this man put up his hand in the audience and said, "Please, Gilbert, you must do that song." All they wanted to say. So I, so my, I looked at my guitar player Bill and said, "Yeah, absolutely." So now it's become a staple diet of of our American concerts and stuff. So a song like that means a lot to me. Uh, I mean, obviously, the well-known songs mean a lot to me for other reasons, but but I have a. Um, you know, all the songs I write, I like, of course, uh, but, but some that are special to me, aren't would, you wouldn't necessarily know them. So Bob Seger, you know, in his huge hit, old time rock and roll, he sings, today's music ain't got the same soul. I like that old time rock and roll. Now, you know, I, I keep my day job here, but uh, <laughs> why doesn't today's music uh, have the same rock and roll and great lyrics uh, that it seems that the great songs of the 60s and 70s have. Do you agree with that? I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I, I tend not to, again, I'm not really bothered about sort of analyzing why or how, what, as I said earlier. There's, you know, a lot of people say, make those comments. stuff. I mean, I find, you know, here's the key. I remember um, uh, George Harrison giving an interview in the 80s, I think it was in the 80s, where he said that he didn't like anything he heard on the radio these days, and I'm thinking, <laughs> and I was, and I was thinking to myself at the time when he was eight, when he was a youngster, when he was a young teenager, he'd have loved everything he heard on the radio. So there is that element that, as one gets older, perhaps you you look upon it differently. But I find that that it's important to find that that something out there still gets you. So I I, I search, I look for, I you know whatever's going on in the hit parade today, whatever's going on in, in albums that are released, I buy everything. I mean, I love John Mayer, I love the 1975, I love Alison Krauss. I buy everything to be influenced because you can't be a contemporary songwriter, particularly if you're one that doesn't read music. To be able to write songs, you have to hear good songs. That's how it works. When we started writing songs, I wanted to sing like Bob Dylan and write songs like Lennon and McCartney. That's how you learn your craft. And that's how you continue to do it. You don't learn your craft today by writing anything. You 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 learn your craft by listening. And I so, so I'm quite you know I, I find that out there, I come across tracks that really uh, you know catch me. And it, and if I don't find it in today's music, I'll go right back to Stephen Foster, and search for it there because that's how you kind of you need to have that element of of influence. You need to find stuff that 
that generates influence that influences you to be able to to, to write songs. Well, I'm still trying to figure out uh, Don McLean's American Pie uh, <laughs> lyrics. Uh, to me, that's certainly one of the greatest uh, songs ever written. Uh, so, has uh, so a song like that had an influence on you? Yeah, I mean, here's an interesting thing about Don and I. I'll tell you something which which is which you'll find interesting. We were both nominated in the same year for Grammys. I was nominated for three. Don was nominated for four, and we were the only two artists who who played live. Okay, so I think Andy Williams introduced it, and and the word going around the room uh, was that if you were performing there, then you were going to pick, you were going to get a Grammy because Nielsen wasn't there to perform. Uh, Roberta Flatt wasn't there to to perform first time I ever saw your face. And so, uh, Don and I didn't win. <laughs> so, and I feel more sorry for him than I do for me. Because it's, <laughs> it's a great American song. Why on earth he didn't uh, pick up a Grammy? Do you know why? Would you know why? Well, to me, it's one of the greatest songs ever written. So uh, I, I don't know if there's a song in any year, in my opinion, that should be winning over that particular song. That's my opinion. <laughs> it's a great song. I mean, I love, you know, again, I've been influenced by Don in, in the way that we all need to be influenced. I mean, it, uh, Vincent is a lovely song. And, uh, you know, so he's he's a great songwriter. and No question about that. Well, speaking of great lyrics uh, in Alone Again Naturally, and I was almost tempted to sing this, but I figured, you know, I better not sing in front of the guy who actually sang it because uh, you can't beat perfection. So, you know, in your lyrics, it says, and at 65 years old, my mother, God rest her soul, couldn't understand why the only man she had ever loved had been taken. Now, is that a, a true story about your mother and father? And is that what inspired this great song? No. No, it's not true, which surprises a lot of people. Uh, I think what makes you a good lyricist is is that you don't have to experience a situation to, to be able to write about it. In other words, an understanding of a subject is the key. And so put yourself into a situation where somebody attempts suicide. That's a that's a serious thing to be writing about. You, certainly oh, yeah. can't, you can't be flippant about it. But I get into the subject matter. I was you know, 21 years of age. I was writing songs. That's one of the songs I was writing at the time. It didn't appear to be any more special than the other songs I was writing, which is a good thing. And so I got into the, the story, and it's not based on personal experience, but my understanding of those kind of situations is what I felt uh, uh, worked and, and came through. As I say, that's what makes you a good lyricist. Uh, without You know, there's a few instances where I've, I've used experience, but on that particular song, it was just an understanding what I felt somebody might be going through or would be going through um, during that time. Uh, during those kind of situations. Now let's take you back to your childhood because so many artists uh, actually had a different name. So tell us about where you grew up and uh, was that, is this your real name or did you have another name? And tell us how you got into the music business. Well, my real name is Raymond. Uh, O'Sullivan is my real name. So Raymond O'Sullivan. So when I started off wanting to be a singer, I called myself Gilbert only. I didn't call myself Gilbert O'Sullivan. I felt as the artist, I would be Gilbert. And if you looked at the credits for the songwriting, you'd see somebody called O'Sullivan. So I kind of liked the fact that could that be the same person or is that somebody else and stuff? I kind of like the, the, having the, the two separate. But Gordon Mills, who managed me in 69, he said, you know, call yourself Gilbert O'Sullivan. Remember, he called Engelbert, Engelbert Humpting, and he called, you know, and he, he managed Tom Jones as well. But O'Sullivan is my real name. And so getting into music was, uh, I think, as I mentioned earlier, the key for me were Dylan and the Beatles and stuff. I don't have a great voice. I have a distinctive voice, which is, I think, is a good thing. Uh, a lot of good singers sound like a lot of good singers. 
So if you have a distinctive voice, it sounds only like you. And so Dylan was a huge influence for me. And then Lennon McCartney, when the Beatles arrived, we all wanted to be in a band. It's a bit like when they appeared on the Ann Sullivan show overnight, hundreds of thousands of, of young people, young, uh, young people wanted to join a band, form a band uh, after seeing them and stuff. So it was like that for us with, with Love Me Do and Please Please Me. And they look so different because before they came along, everybody's hair was combed back. And suddenly for the first time, you have four people with, with fringes, with the hair combed forward. And that was really quite <laughs> revolutionary <laughs> at that time. And so... Um, the mob so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and, and they wrote great songs, and and you know, and they, and they were able to do it without reading. They couldn't read music, so we 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 identified with that, and so so you know, so I got into school band and played the drums, and I tried guitar, but I'm left-handed. I wrote to Slim Whitman, you know, I think Paul McCartney apparently did too. I think Slim Whitman, we all remember in the fifties, was a huge star. Uh, Rosemary, I think he had big hits with, it. and he was a left-handed guitar player. So I remember writing him a letter saying, <laughs> could I have a guitar? Because uh, I'm left-handed, but uh, didn't get a reply. So that was it for me, the the band as a drummer, and then a, a youth club band, and then a much more serious band called Rick's Blues. And uh, with Rick's Blues, we could have actually turned professional. I was beginning to write songs. We, we made some demos of my songs. Rick Davis, a keyboard player, brilliant musician. Uh, he was a keyboard player. Um, and if it wasn't for the bass player and the guitarist uh, worried about their apprenticeships, um, we could have turned, we would have turned professional. But they, they didn't want to risk giving up their job. So that meant that Rick and I, who both wanted a career in music, had to decide what to do. Rick needed to be in a band, no question. He wasn't a solo performer. So he went on to form a band called The Joint, a, a band called The Lonely Ones, which ended up becoming Supertrunk. So, so Rick didn't do too badly, and then I ended up becoming me. So, <laughs> so, so that's that's pretty much how it started. Well, I want to go back to uh, the uh, two people that you were, the, or the band, and the great person you had mentioned twice already, the Beatles and Bob Dylan. Did you get a chance to uh, meet them, and did you get a chance to pick their brains? No, I mean, I, McCartney. I, I was invited to a McCartney reception. Uh, when he brought out his second uh, solo album and stuff. And, you know, I, he was there with his wife and they were in the corner dancing away in this ballroom and stuff. And I didn't, you know, I'm not one of those people that need to go up and and, uh, and bother people and stuff. So I, <laughs> I, I had, my admiration remains uh, fully uh, in McCartney. Is, you know, I was more of a McCartneyite than a Leninite. But, but they were a huge influence as, uh, because, as I said to you, they were young and they wrote great songs and they couldn't read music. So... For us to hear that, to know that, meant that possibly we could do something similar. So once the ball started rolling, I mean, in the same way, they were influenced by Buddy Holly. And, if, and uh, what made them, interestingly enough, what made them great songwriters, because if you look at the, the kind of songs they sang, they sang songs from 50s musicals, Till There Was You from the, from, uh, I think uh, that was, what was that musical called? I'm not sure the musical, but, you know, traditional kind of MORs, middle of the road stuff is what they performed. To know him is to love him, uh, written by Phil Spector and stuff. So that so that their background in terms of what they listened to was a huge influence for the songs they were writing. Whereas today it's much more difficult for young writers. You know, we, we the way the business is today, it's about sound. It's more about sound than it is about song. There are good songs, but I think it's 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 more. So I think as young songwriters, my advice to young songwriters is to listen to great songs. Go back, go back and listen to 
the likes of Lennon and McCartney, the Don McLeans of this world, the Paul Simons, the James Taylors. See how the craft works. I've uh, probably sang Alone Again Naturally probably a hundred times listening to it on radio <laughs> over the decades. Uh, and so I'm curious, how long does it take to write a song like Alone Again Naturally? And did you have the sense when you were writing it that it would be the monster hit that it became? No, and God forbid it should, that should happen. I mean, that would not be a good thing. Because if that happened then, you'd want that to be happening every time you wrote a song. So that's not going to work. No, it, it's, you know, I was a young writer. I, I was lucky because this is at a point where prior to meeting Gordon Mills, my manager, uh, the songwriting I was doing was in my flat after work or on the weekend and stuff. I had a piano in my little bed sit. Uh, so when Gordon Mills took me on, he, it meant that I could give up my job as a poster clerk and I could write all day in a cottage that he owned. So that was a joy for me. So writing Alone Again was just one of three or four songs I was writing at that time. I th and the way it works was you were either planning to, you wouldn't necessarily be going to make an album. You'd be having a three-hour session to do two songs for your next single, A-side and a B-side. So the two songs that I'd written were Alone Again and Out of the Question. Uh, I liked both of them, uh, no problem. I didn't think one was any better than the other. They were both very different. Uh, and so when we went to the studio to record them, everybody in the studio thought, because this was going to be the next single, that Out of the Question should be the release, because that, they felt that was more commercial. Wow. And so, But in the end, Gordon Mills said, maybe Alone Again isn't as commercial, but I think it's a better song, so let's go with that and see what happens. Uh, and it was, a, it was a big hit in England, but, you know, the, the, I, I have reviews of that which I, I tend to look at which bring a smile to my face and they say things like another little jinky from gilbert could be a hit if it gets enough play <laughs> well it's kind of nice to see that and of course we know what happened when it took off in america and it was just phenomenal and stuff so but yeah it's not what you it's not it doesn't you know it just works just be happy with your song and you'll see what happens it'll work or it won't work and if it doesn't work you'll write another one and stuff Mm, I like that. Wow, that's very inspirational. You know, it's like uh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't get yourself too too down on anything because there's there's always tomorrow, and you can put more pen to paper, right, Gilbert? Absolutely, no, no question at all. You know, don't dwell on what hasn't happened. So, because we all know about great songs that don't see the light of day. I mean, you'll know, I know many songs that that. that were never hits, and yet there were great songs. Going right back to soundtracks and musicals, the Cole Porters, the Rodgers and Hearts, the Rod Rodgers and Allison, they wrote songs and musicals that, that nobody touched. It took something else for them to work. It, it uh, you know, the luck, the judgment factor comes into play. So you can write a really good song, but if you don't have that luck and judgment and timing, it can, it can you know, disappear. But that's where the joy of a concert, uh, uh, Eli, comes in, because that's where you can actually get to perform certain songs you really like, which weren't successes in the, in the single sense, but you look upon as a good song. And the reaction you get to it can be very interesting, too. Well, you know, speaking of concerts, Gilbert, I see you are out touring these days and you'll be in New York City at one of my favorite music venues in the World City Winery. Uh, you'll be there on March 12th. And I actually plan on being there. I'd like to see you live. Uh, that would be a treat. I didn't catch in the in the good old days. So never a better late than never absolutely you must come and you must come back and and, and see us I absolutely look forward to that absolutely and I, and I understand you'll be in other uh great american cities throughout march can you share your website and where listeners can find out more about your touring i can because i'm totally Ill, i'm i'm computer illiterate 
I don't even. I, don't well, even I can. Know. I can share it. <laughs> but, but Tara, Tara does all the social media. Gilbert O'Sullivan. Dot co. Dot uk. That's Gilbert O'Sullivan. Dot co. Dot uk. Uh, and uh, you uh, have an incredible repertoire of music that I've been listening to lately. And uh, I can't wait to actually come and see you live. Uh, and I want to commend you for having all these decades uh, of success and still being out there when, you know, so many people hung up the shingle, uh, you know, a long, long time ago. So congratulations on it. Anything else you'd like to share with our audience today? I think what's interesting is that, that I mean, I have a really great band. I mean, the reason it took so long to get back into America uh, from way in, from the 70s was the fact that we have, I have a really good band up to about three years ago. We toured consistently around Europe, Japan, uh, the UK and Ireland and stuff. But in the last two years, we decided, my guitar player, uh, to do an up-close-and-personal intimate show, just the two of us. And that worked out really well. And that's what we're doing for you. And the joy of that is that it's up-close-and-personal, it's intimate, over two hours, just the two of us. So get, pe get people get to hear the lyrics clearly, because some of the criticism I used to get with the band was we really enjoyed the show, but, but it was so loud we couldn't hear the words that we wanted to hear. So with it just being the two of us, it's very it, that up-close-and-personal, kind of intimate. And the club, the winery, the New York winery, is an ideal venue. Oh, spectacular. Oh, yeah. For being up close and personal. So that's what we'll bring to you. And we're really looking forward to it. Thus far, Eli, the reaction to us doing this has been fantastic. So am I going to be able to make a little bit of a fool of myself and actually sing some of the lyrics along with you? <laughs> we can plant a mic on your chair if that's what you'd like. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you so much, Gilbert. You've been a joy to talk to you today, and I'll mm. be seeing you on March 12th. I look forward to meeting you, Eli. Absolutely. Thank you so much. If you would like to inquire about having Eli motivate your team, speak at your event, or coach you personally for massive success, email themotivationshow at gmail.com. That's the motivation show at gmail.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.